Uh, just from my small introductions with him, I feel like he's an old friend. Amen. The Reverend Dr. Angelus Wilson was called by the Lord into the gospel ministry in 1991. He is married to Sharon Wilson, and together they have three sons. Compelled to work with students in need of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, Dr. Wilson has labored in national and international ministries for 30 years. Amen. 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 As a university pastor and church planter, he has started congregations across North America and matriculated through several universities of higher learning. Angelus has a bachelor's in social work from Fresno Pacific University, a master's in spiritual formation and evangelism from Wheaton College, and a doctorate of ministry from Azusa Pacific University, my alma mater. Yes, yes. Because of his passion for making disciples and equipping students for the work of ministry, Angelus has developed international Bible schools, conferences, and seminars to train leaders for Christian service. Dr. Wilson has served universities such as Wheaton College, Sanford University, and Fresno Pacific University. He enjoys traveling internationally with students, preaching and teaching God's word through networks, mission agencies, and biblical conferences. Angelus has a passion for developing new frontiers where students can share the good news of the gospel with a hurting world. He's a trusted shepherd on the journey and a servant of the kingdom. Let us welcome Dr. Angelus Wilson as he shares with us. Well, good evening, family. Grace and joy to you. Thank you for having me here tonight. It's good to be at Iowa, where I hear Jesus is Lord and King. I believe that's right. Let's give the Lord some praise tonight. Amen. I bring you greetings from the other Iowa, your sister college, Wheaton College. Amen from Chicago, and we are glad to be here with you on tonight. Uh, so glad to have uh, President Kulaga in the house. Can we show some love for the man of God? And the First Lady is here today, tonight as well. Thank you, First Lady, so glad to see you. And to all of you, my father's children. I'm happy to stand in this preaching place on the 11th occasion of celebrating Dr. Martin Luther King's life legacy and leadership. Now, before I get going, you need to know I'm a black Baptist preacher. And that means where I preach, they talk back to me. And I'll help you. If you don't know where to say something, I'll cue you. And amen goes right there. All right. So let your hair down, take your shoes off and let's go to black Baptist church. All right. Amen. <laughs> I'm kidding. Be yourself. Amen. All right. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much for this grand occasion. Thank you for Dr. Dowling and the team and Gigi, Lord, how she blessed us. Thank you tonight for the gospel choir and the songs that led us before your throne. Our hearts are warmed. So give us ears to hear what your spirit now says to the church and give me preaching power and preaching permission until our hearts are enjoyed by your spirit. And we'll give you the honor, the glory, and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. As I 
have loved you, that you also love one another. Jesus says, and by this will all know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. And all God's people said, the word of the Lord. I want to tag this message tonight for us, a call to kingdom diversity, a beloved community. Ladies and gentlemen, esteemed faculty, students, and honored guests, tonight at IWU, we are gathering under the banner of a profound scriptural theme. It's the theme of kingdom diversity, which is a call to the beloved community. You all knew that. That it's in these verses where we find ourselves in the intimate setting of the Lord's Supper, where Jesus is imparting a transformative message to those 11 disciples who would carry out his work in a fallen world. You see, in the moments leading up to Jesus' ultimate sacrifice, he is actually revealing to us a profound truth that will resonate down through the corridors of time. And this truth is going to be what I consider is the essence of discipleship. You see, the scripture from John's gospel is painting a picture for us of Jesus' farewell discourse. He's speaking to those intimate followers who are going to carry out his work. And in these verses, he introduces to us a concept that's become synonymous with Dr. Martin Luther King's work on earth under the beloved community. That's right, Dr. King got his message from the Christ. That's worth you coming tonight. By this will all men know, King used to say, that you are Christ's disciples if you love one another. Now these were just not mere, mere words of rhetoric, no, these were words of a profound covenant community gathered under the banner of heaven. Dr. King, modern day prophet, champion of the civil rights, echoed these sentiments as he advocated for society to live at his highest level under the banner of Christianity. So tonight, we get to honor his memory by being committed to the same journey that he was on. So may this gathering tonight not only inspire us, but inform us that Christ is still calling for ambassadors like Dr. King to continue this work that was born out of the Galileans' vision for a better humanity. Now an amen goes right there. So come go with me now to that upper room, that night in which Jesus was betrayed. As he sat there 
around that table with those 11 men, he demonstrates for us the highest calling in the world. Now, I know you're saying, well, chaplain, what is that? The highest calling in the world is to serve somebody else. And when all of this is completed, the master is preparing to die. And yet, before he dies, he gives his students, his disciples, one last command. The Bible says that he said, like Dr. Webb just mentioned, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Dr. Summers, Madam Chaplain, my beloved sister, here we see Christ giving the new command to his students. And they are not to do away with the old command to love your neighbor as yourself, because that was good from the Old Testament. Come on, say amen. He simply says, I'm giving you a new one. And the new ones was going to call them and stretch them and challenge them to do more than just love their neighbors as their self. This challenge was going to challenge that church, those disciples, those students to love one another. Here it is. As he modeled what love looked like. This was significant because he writes it, Brother Dean, in the present tense voice. He says, I want y'all to love one another as y'all saw me love you. Because y'all got loving all wrong. Come on, talk to me. Use agape love is the Greek word. It's a divine love that only God has. This is what I want you to aspire to. He says, love one another as I've demonstrated for you. Love one another as I've lived before you. Love one another and show one another exactly how much you care by modeling what I've done for you. Here we see how true Christianity really looks. We ought to emulate him by being patient with one another. Come on, say amen when I come down your road. Long-suffering with one another, supporting one another. I got more if you got time. Forgiving one another, serving one another, sharing with one another, and living sacrificially for one another. This is the first command that was ever given to the church that night in the upper room. Jesus is giving it. Here he's instructing those that he would use to proclaim the good news in the world. How they were to live, to love, and to lead. This is the church he's talking to. And this is her mandate. These are the chosen ones of Christ. And here's what I learned. I learned that if we would remember the commands of Christ, we would actually be doing what pleases God. See, this is what he wants from us. This is what he desires. This is what transforms, transpires, uh, translates the message of the gospel. It's not how grand your words are. I'm great. I'm glad you can parse the Greek and the Hebrew. Praise the Lord. That's good. 
but show me how you love me. And then I'll get your gospel. Secondly, we see in the verse, in verse 35, that Jesus says, by this, what? By what he just talked about. By this will all people know that you're my disciples. You're my students. If you love one another. Family, according to Jesus, this is the mechanism that will identify who really is, Dr. Dowling, the beloved community. A lot of people talk about it. But this is how you know they're the beloved community. Jesus says it's by the demonstrative act of loving one another. People will know by our compassion and our concern for those who Jesus said we ought to love. This is how they will know. By us loving the ones that Christ commissioned to preach, to teach, to serve, and suffer, everybody else will know we belong to Christ. And now here we see what I call is a powerful conditional clause inserted into this command. Dr. Webb, he says, if, (laughs) if you have love for one another, Christ here mandates, Brother Brandon, that if they love one another, people will know. You want to get the word out? You want to get likes about your ministry? If you love, the world will know. If they want the world to know who they are, love will be the defining action for their recognition. Let me say it this way. If they love one another, people will connect them with Jesus. If they love one another, people will know who they are. If they love one another, people will believe they are Christians. If they love one another, there won't be any confusion about who they are. If they love one another, they will be identified as those who know the Lord. If they love one another, people will put them together. With Jesus. Here's what I learned. A friend in my library said, Brother Wilson, the call to love is not new, man. It's been embedded in the Old Testament before Jesus even came on the scene. But what is new is the three ways in which he talked about it. In other words, in his new commandment, there's a new focus, a new standard, and a new outcome. In the new focus... They were still to love their neighbor, but now a more intense love is to be directed toward their community. Second of all, there's a new standard. They were no longer to love one another as themselves as they had been doing, but they were to now do it as Jesus did it. What do you mean? Christ became the standard. In my little chocolate church in Los Angeles, we say holiness was the standard. That's what he's calling them to here. And then the third one, he says here, there's a new outcome. As a Christian community, infused by Christ-like love, the world of lost mankind will realize that Jesus is real if his followers look like him. This is the divine ingredient, beloved, that makes the beloved community work, witness, and worship well in wonder. 
Sister Jackson, my sister, we should take heart to know this is not an option. It's a new commandment. You catch it? And it's to be observed and obeyed. Now, according to the text, Judas the betrayer was gone now. He doesn't give the new commandment until the one who's not a part of the community is out of the room. And when he gives this command, now he's talking to those who are real followers. If you love one another, he's teaching them now you can endure the sufferings of the world. If you love one another, y'all can make it through anything that's getting ready to come through those doors. You catch it now? He said, if you love one another, you guys will support one another. If you love one another, you can make it through the horrible things that are getting ready to happen to me. I read something the other day, profound reflection on the life of Dr. King's work, his walk, and his witness. And the unknown author said this. He said, Wilson, the life of Dr. King is a powerful illustration of what it looks like when a person is committed to wrestling with some of life's most dichotomous elements. He said this, love and justice, being and doing, prayerful waiting and decisive loving action in the world until they come together as an integrated whole. He said, for Dr. King, brother, it was never love or justice. It was never prayer or action. Being in God or doing something for God, it was never missional engagement with the problems of the world or contemplation about the presence of God. He said, it was both. And it was both all the time. Here's what he was saying. He was profoundly non-dualistic in this regard. Life at its best, King believed, was the creative synthesis of opposites in fruitful harmony. He never had a problem with combining his lifestyle. He was never conflicted, so it was easy for him to love while being whipped. It was easy for him to love while being disrespected. It was easy for him to love while being denied the basic human rights. It was easy for him to love when all of society was making life unbearable for him. Why? He had a call. And it was a higher call. And his higher calling, yes, was to obey the divine command that was given to him by the Christ. That's greatness. And that's why we're here today. He was an ordinary man, but he had an unordinary call. And Christ has given you that same call tonight. I got to leave you now. But this command that Jesus gave in that upper room was going to help these disciples as they approached the upcoming trial of Calvary. This command was going to keep them together as they watch their rabbi, their messiah, get dragged out of the garden of Gethsemane. This command was going to keep them together as they ran in the black of the night for their very lives. This command 
was going to help them stay together as they had to huddle in little houses because the mobs wanted to persecute them too. This command was going to help them to stay together while they stretched him high and they dropped him low. This command was going to keep them together as they hid in the homes when they took his broken body down off the rugged cross, placed it in another man's tomb, and all day Friday and Saturday he lay there. This command was going to keep them together as they thought their movement had come to an end. This command would keep them together while he was in the grave taking the sting out of death and getting victory over the grave. And early Sunday morning, I said early Sunday morning, when God the Father raised him back to life, this command would help them meet him on that mountain in Galilee. This command would keep them focused on one accord when they saw him give a new command, go into all the world and make disciples. It was this command that the world would know that they were his disciples because he had love for one another. My undergraduate alma mater, I learned a song. I'm from Watts, California. Never heard this song before, but I went to a little Mennonite school, Fresno Pacific. And those little Mennonites taught me something about what it meant to live for God in a fallen world. The songwriter said, We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. We are one. In the spirit, we are one in the Lord. And we pray that our unity will one day be restored. And they'll know we are Christians by our love, by our love. Yes, they'll know we are Christians by our love. The second verse said, we will work. With each other, we will work side by side. We will work with each other. We will work side by side. And we'll guard each man's dignity and save each man's pride. And they'll know we are Christians by our love. Can I sing some more? Yeah. We will walk with each other. We will walk hand in hand. We will walk with each other. We will walk hand in hand. And together we'll spread the news that God is in our land. And they'll know we are Christians by our love. And all God's children said amen. amen. They'll know you're Christians, I will, by your love. High five your neighbor and tell him, I love you, man. I love you. Let me pray for us now. Our Father and our God, thank you for the great life and legacy of Dr. King. But thank you for tonight reminding us that you gave the words to Dr. King as you're giving the words to this generation. Help us to embody the call to live out the greatest calling in the earth, to love one another as you have loved us. And by this will all people know we are your disciples 
if we have love one for another. Would you bless this IWOO community? Bless this beloved company of believers. Bless and smile on our work in kingdom diversity. And we'll give you the honor, the glory, and the praise. And all God's children said amen, amen. and amen. Now, high five three people and tell them I'm glad you're on my side. I'm glad you're on my side.